Book First, Chapter Two of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book First, Chapter Two A June Daydream. Moment after moment passed, but we all sat silent and motionless. Through the open windows came a low, sweet monotone of the wind from the shadowing maples, sometimes swelling into a great depth of sound and again dying to a whisper and the effect seemed finer than that of the most skilfully touched organ occasionally an irascible humble-bee would dart in and after a moment of motionless poise would dart out again as if in angry disdain of the quiet people in its irate hum and sudden dartings i saw my own irritable fuming and nervous activity and i blessed the friends and their silent meeting i blessed the fair june face that was as far removed from the seething turmoil of my world as the rosebuds under her home windows surely i had drifted out of the storm into the very haven of rest and peace and yet one might justly dread lest the beauty which bound my eyes every moment in a stronger fascination would evoke an unrest from which there might be no haven young men however rarely shrink from such perils and i was no more prudent than my fellows indeed i was inclining toward the fancy that this june day was the day of destiny with me and if such a creature were the remedy for my misshapen life it would be bliss to take it in our sweet silence broken only by the voice of the wind the twitter of the birds beguiling perhaps with pretty nonsense the hours that would otherwise seem long to their brooding mates on the nests and the hum of insects my fancy began to create a future for the fair stranger a future rest assured that did not leave the dreamer a calm and disinterested observer this day i said mentally proves that there is a kindly and superintending providence and men are often led like children in the dark to just the thing they want the wisdom of solomon could not have led me to a place more suited to my taste and need than have my blind aimless steps and before me are possibilities which suggest the vista through which eve was led to adam my constant contact with men who were keen self-seeking and often unscrupulous inclined me toward cynicism and suspicion my editorial life made me an arab in a sense for if there were occasion my hand might be against any man if not every man i certainly received many merciless blows and i was learning to return them with increasing zest my column in the paper was often a tilting ground and whether or no i inflicted wounds that amounted to much i received some that long rankled a home such as yonder woman might make would be a better solace than newspaper files such lips as these might easily draw the poison from any wound the world could make wintry firelight would be more genial than even june sunlight if her eyes would reflect it into mine with such companionship all the gradgrinds in existence would prose in vain life would never lose its ideality nor the world become a mere combination of things her woman's fancy would embroider my man's reason and make it beautiful while not taking from it its strength idiot that i was in imagining that i alone could achieve success inevitably i could make but a half success since the finer feminine element would be wanting do i wish men only to read our paper am i a turk holding the doctrine that women have no souls no minds the shade of my mother forbid then how was i a man to interpret the world to women 
truly i had been an owl of the night and blind to the honest light of truth when i yielded to the counsel of ambition that i had no time for courtship and marriage in my stupid haste i would try to grope my way through subjects beyond a man's ken rather than seek some such guide as yonder maiden whose intuitions would be unerring when the light of reason failed in theory i held the doctrine that there was sex in mind as truly as in the material form now i was inclined to act as if my doctrine were true and to seek to double my power by winning the supplemental strength and grace of a woman's soul indeed my daydream was becoming exceedingly thrifty in its character and i assured ambition that the companionship of such a woman as yonder maiden must be might become the very cornerstone of success time passed and still no one was moved was my presence the cause of the spiritual paralysis i think not for i was becoming conscious of reverent feeling and deeper motives if the fair face was my gospel message it was already leading me beyond the thoughts of success and ambition of mental power and artistic grace her womanly beauty began to awaken my moral nature and her pure face that looked as free from guile as any daisy with its eyes turned to the sun led me to ask what right have you to approach such a creature think of her needs of her being first and not your own would you drag her into the turmoil of your world because she would be a solace would you disturb the maidenly serenity of that brow with the knowledge of evil and misery the nightly record of which you have collated so long that you are callous you whose business it is to look behind the scenes of life will you disenchant her also it is your duty to unmask hypocrisy and to drag hidden evil to light but will you teach her to suspect and distrust should you not yourself become a better truer purer man before you look into the clear depths of her blue eyes beware lest thoughtlessly or selfishly you sully their limpid truth if she could be god's evangel to me i might indeed be a better man i muttered that is ever the way suggested conscience there is always an if in the path of duty and you make your change for the better depend on the remote possibility that yonder maiden will ever look on you as other than a casual stranger that caused a slight disturbance in the wonted placidity of their meeting hour hush i answered conscience imperiously since the old friend lady will not preach i shall endure none of your homilies i yield myself to the influences of this day and during this hour no curb shall be put on fancy in my soul i know that i would be a better man if she is what she seems and could be to me all that i have dreamed and were i tenfold worse than i am she would be the better for making me better did not divine purity come the closest to sinful humanity i shall approach this maiden in fancy and may seek her in reality but it shall be with a respect so sincere and an homage so true as to rob my thoughts and quest of bold irreverence or of mere selfishness suppose i am seeking my own good my own salvation it may be i am not seeking to wrong her are not heaven's best gifts best won by giving all for them i would lay my manhood at her feet i do not expect to earn her or buy her giving a quid pro quo a woman's love is like the grace of heaven a royal gift and the spirit of the suitor is more regarded than his desert moreover i do not propose to soil her life with the evil world that i must daily brush against but through her influence to do a little toward purifying that world 
since this is but a dream i shall dream it out to suit me that stalwart and elderly friend who led me to this choice point of observation is her father the plump and motherly matron on the high seat whose face alone is a remedy for care and worry is her mother they will invite me home with them when the meeting is over already i see the tree-embowered farmhouse with its low wide veranda and old-fashioned roses climbing the lattice-work in such a fragrant nook or perhaps in the orchard back of the house i shall explore the wonderland of this maiden's mind and heart beyond the innate reserve of an unsophisticated womanly nature there will be little reticence and her thoughts will flow with the clearness and unpremeditation of the brook that i crossed on my way here what a change they will be from the world's blotted page that i have read too exclusively of late perhaps it will appear to her that i have become smirched by these pages and that my character has the aspect of a printer at the close of his day's tasks this source of fear however is also a source of hope if she has the quickness of intuition to discover that i know the world too well she will also discern the truth that i would gladly escape from that which might eventually destroy my better nature and that hers could be the hand which might rescue my manhood to the degree that she is a genuine woman there will be fascination in the power of making a man more manly and worthy of respect especially will this be true if i have the supreme good fortune not to offend her woman's fancy and to excite her sympathy without awakening contempt but i imagine i am giving her credit for more maturity of thought and discernment than her years permit she must be young and her experiences would give her no means of understanding my life she will look at me with the frank unsuspecting gaze of a child she will exercise toward me that blessed phase of charity which thinketh no evil because ignorant of evil moreover while i am familiar with the sin of the world and have contributed my share toward it i am not in love with it and i can well believe that such a love as she might inspire would cause me to detest it if for her sake and other good motives i should resolutely and voluntarily turn my back on evil would not i have the right to walk at the side of one who by the good hap of her life knows no evil at any rate i am not sufficiently magnanimous to forego the opportunity should it occur therefore among the lengthening shadows of this june day i shall woo with my utmost skill one who may be able to banish the deeper shadows that are gathering around my life and if i fail i shall carry the truth of her springtime beauty and girlish innocence back to the city and their memory will daily warn me to beware lest i lose the power to love and appreciate that which is her preeminent charm but enough of that phase of the question there need be no failure in my dream however probable failure may be in reality let me imagine that in her lovely face i may detect the slight curiosity inspired by a stranger passing into interest she will be shy and reserved at first but as the delicious sense of being understood and admired gains mastery her thoughts will gradually reveal her heart like the opening petals of a rose and i can reverently gaze upon the rich treasure of which she is the unconscious possessor and which i may win without impoverishing her her ready laugh clear and mellow as the robin song that woke me this morning will be the index of an unfailing spring of mirthfulness of that breezy piquant laughing philosophy 
which gives to some women an indescribable charm enabling them to render gloom and despondency rare inmates of the home over which they preside when i recall what dark depths of perplexity and trouble my mother often hid with her light laugh i remember that i have never yet had a chance even to approach her in heroism in my dream at least i can give to my wife my mother's laugh and courage and surely nature who has endowed yonder maiden with so much beauty has also bestowed every suitable accompaniment wherefore i shall discover in her eyes treasures of sunshine that shall light my home on stormy days and winter nights as i vary our theme of talk from bright to sad experiences i shall catch a glimpse of that without which the world would become a desert woman's sympathy possibly i may venture to suggest my own need and emphasize it by a reference to holy writ that would be appropriate in a sunday wooing surely she would admit that if adam could not endure being alone in eden a like fate would be far more deserving of pity in such a wilderness as new york then as a sequel to her sympathy i may witness the awakening of that noble characteristic of woman self-sacrifice the generous impulse to give happiness even though at cost to self as the winged hours pass and our glances our words our intuitions and the subtle laws of magnetism that are so powerful and yet so utterly beyond the ken of reason reveal us to each other i detect in the depths of her blue eyes a light which vanishes when i seek it but returns again a principle which she does not even recognize much less understand and yet which she already unconsciously obeys her looks are less frank and open her manner grows deliciously shy she hesitates and chooses her words but is not so happy in their choice as when she spoke without premeditation instead of the wonted bloom on her cheek her color comes and goes oh most exquisite phase of human power i control the fountain of her life and by an act a word a glance even can cause the crimson tide to rise even to her brow and then to ebb leaving her sad and pale joy joy i have one that out of which can be created the best thing of earth and the type of heaven a home at this supreme moment in my daydream an elderly friend on the high seat gave his hand to another white-haired man who had for the last hour leaned his chin on his stout cane and meditated under the shadow of his broad-brimmed hat and our silent meeting was over the possessor of the exquisite profile who had led me through a flight of romance such as i had never known before turned and looked directly at me the breaking of my dream had been too sudden and i had been caught too high up to alight again on the solid ground of reality with ease and grace the night editor blushed like a schoolgirl under her glance at which she seemed naturally surprised she of course could imagine no reason why her brief look of curiosity should cause me confusion and bring a guilty crimson to my face i took it as a good omen however and said mentally as i passed out with the others my thoughts have already established a subtle influence over her drawing her eyes and the first delicate tendril of interest toward one to whom she may cling for life End of Book First Chapter 2